Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you ready? It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday right here answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. It's officially summer and you, like many millions of other Americans, may be scrambling around to become physically fit, whether it's looking for certain diets or working out or whatever it might be to build your physical strength or your physical health. And this comes a lot because summer, you think of the sun and you think of maybe wearing less clothing during these months to come. You're not as focused on all the layers. And so you might be more mindful of your physical appearance and looking and feeling good physically is certainly important to God. And God talks about this in scripture over and over. The father says uh, in his good word that uh, the body is your temple. And these things are, should be taken care of. But it's not the only thing that God wants to be healthy in your life. Physical being physically fit does point to your overall well-being and health. God knows that. Working out and being healthy, all good things. God knows that. But it's not the only part of you God wants to be healthy. It's not the only part of you that God wants to build strength. In 1 Timothy 6.12, Scripture says to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. And that concept of, of fighting kind of puts forth that, forth that physical uh, building of your muscles Strengthening not only your physical body, but your wits, your ability, and your agility to defend. So if you were a championship boxer or a fighter, you'd be fit. You'd be in shape. You'd be healthy. You'd be quick. You'd build up all those muscles. Be ready for whatever came your way. So if you're going to... Fight the good fight. If you're going to fight the fight for God, that fight that you're called to in 1 Timothy 6.12. That fight that is a noble cause. Defending the gospel. Defending those things that are true and righteous and good. If you're going to fight the good fight, you need to be spiritually fit. Spiritually in shape. Spiritually healthy. So it's not only uh, about the outward appearance, not only about the things in which you can see. I know that is what's in front of everyone. And so what's up front and everyone sees tends to take precedent. But it's, there's, it's, it's only the outer shell 
You want that to be healthy because it carries you from point A to point B. It allows you to work and to do good works to the glory of God. But the spiritual self, the health of your spirituality, is what's going to be there in those times of trials. It's what's going to be there and really protect you and help defend you during those times of great pain or sadness or trial. That is the muscle. That spiritual muscle is the one that needs to be built up, flexed. And this can only be obtained with effort. It's not just something that you get through osmosis. If you sit in a church long enough or if you sit next to scripture or any of these things, that it's just going to fall upon you and all will be well. There's more to it than that. It takes actual effort. First Timothy 4.7 says, On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. How often do we say that on the program that we talk about the things that are important in life and the afterlife? Well, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, it talks about disciplining yourself for godliness, building that particular muscle, because if you just build the the bodily muscle, if you just have discipline with the physical things, there's only a little bit of profit in that. But godliness, building that, that holy, that godly muscle, your spiritual self, is profitable for all things. Not only in this current life, but in the life to come. And one of the things that you do to build that muscle, to build yourself spiritually is to work on hope, to build hope, to understand hope, to reach and desire hope, believe in hope, have faith in hope. Hebrews 6.11 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Knowing what's ahead of you, that, that inherit the promise, that promise, the gospel, that, that promise of heaven and the things of God comes in the form of that hope. And having that diligence, as it says there in Hebrews 6.11, that diligence to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Not to hold on to it in times of peace when everything's going great and then get shaky later, but to have complete, full assurance in that hope until the end. That faith in and patience that will come with that promise. That knowing and having hope and faith in those things will build that, that muscle of hope, which is ultimately faith. And one of the ways to do that is to, to participate, to practice in good deeds and the things of God. Titus 3.8, this is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak 
confidently, so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. You see how there's a a pattern here of, of the things that are good and profitable? Dealing with patience, the promise, faith, the hope. Says this is a, this is a trustworthy statement. That is a note to say, hey, listen up. This is something that you need to know. Speak confidently in these things. That those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds, setting yourself apart from others and focusing on the things of God. Taking time to learn not only what God wants for you and what God wants you to do and to participate in, and doing it. Doing them in a way that is uh, apparent to everyone. Now, even more important than just the good deeds themselves, God wants you to surround yourself with goodness. Cloak yourself in the things of God. Immerse yourself in, in those things that are good in all situations at all times. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and have seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. If you were to just practice good deeds and not understand how those good deeds unfurl, in this case, God's pointing out every little nook and cranny where those things of God, those good things are, whatever is honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, where there is excellence and anything worthy of praise to dwell on those things, make those things the ideas and the thoughts that dance in your head, that promote, that provoke, that push you and propel you forward. And in those things, you will find strength in your spirit. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am... Your holy host, happy to be with you this Sunday, as I am every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation anywhere in the U.S. of A. Dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, uh, check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com, thejesuschristshow.com. So it's very easy with the summer months here now. So now Memorial Day is behind you. You're looking at summer. The weather changes. And you start thinking, oh, well, you know, I want to go swimming. I'm going to get in that bathing suit. You start thinking about your physical self. You start thinking about your physical health. Maybe it's a time of dieting for you or it's a time of uh, just getting healthy in general. And... That's fine. God doesn't have a problem with that at all. However, in 1 Timothy 6.12, the scripture says to fight the good fight. 
fight the good fight, lay hold on eternal life. And really this this good fight, this good fight of faith is what you're on earth for. It's to battle those things that are unjust and ungodly, to focus on the things of God and the things that are noble and good. And so if you get in that mindset of being a championship boxer or a fighter and you start thinking about being uh, spiritually fit, you start seeing that God throughout Scripture tells you to build hope, to practice good deeds, and even more than just good deeds, to, to surround yourself, as it says in Philippians 4, 8, with those things that are godly, whatever is true, honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, things of excellence, those are things that build your spiritual muscle. To practice those things, to focus on those things. Because if you were a championship boxer, you would build up those muscles. But the other thing you would do is you would protect yourself, right? You would protect what's where you're vulnerable. For the believer, your vulnerability lies in temptation, false teachings, persecution. As far as temptation goes, James 1, 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So even in that temptation, in these various trials, the, the things that you go through in life, God will use them to perfect you, to build up those spiritual muscles. There's false teachings out there you need to defend against. Matthew 7.15, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Persecution. Hebrews 12.3, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your your sin and the pressures of the things of life. When you strive against sin, when you push against sin, have you shed your blood? No. But God has. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Finally, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Build your spiritual muscles so that you do not grow weary. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. 
Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday right here answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and even more importantly, the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation anywhere in the USA. Dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com. Follow us on Twitter as well, won't you, at Jesus Show, at Jesus Show. Kathy, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hello, thank you. How can I help you? Uh, well, I was giving a call this morning. I was um, thinking about my tattoos, and I've thought, you know, that I've had the question for a long time as to where tattoos stand biblically, um, where I'm at with that. Um, I, I have had a relationship with God for a good part of my life, but I have to say, um, for the most part, it was lukewarm. And about five years ago, when I got these tattoos, these sleeves, um, I noticed that it happened just like right prior to when my relationship with God like blew up onto another level of communication. Um, but since I... You know, I've wondered about these tattoos and and where I stand as far as with God. Well, I, I wouldn't overly spiritualize tattoos, uh, although there are, you know, people do put spiritual symbols or Christian symbols or things like this that commemorate and or remind them of, of different things, parts of their mm-hmm. lives, whatever it might be, and that can be a powerful reminder uh, to you and things that you've been through and, and the direction that you choose to go. But as far as the the physical act of having uh, a tattoo or receiving a tattoo, a lot of people are confused about based on Scripture. Leviticus talks about it in Leviticus uh, chapter 19. But unfortunately, a lot of people misunderstand what's being said. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to explain a little bit. So this is Leviticus uh, chapter uh, 19, verse 28, and it says, You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. Now, it seems fairly cut and dry to people that the, that is talking about tattoos and that you shouldn't get them. But really, it's not about that at all. And it's it's an unfortunate translation to, to say tattoo here because it's confusing to the modern-day version of tattoo. If you look at the Levitical laws, they're really breaking down spiritual laws based on setting apart from the pagans of the day. So it wasn't so much the act of the tattoo itself. It was what the what you were doing the tattoo for and what it meant. So in this case, if you read it again, you shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. And if you are to go one verse above, it says, you shall not round off the side growth of your heads, nor harm the edges of your beard. So the the equivalent would be if anybody shaves their face, uh, if any man shaves his face, that would be the equivalent of getting a tattoo. So that can't be that tattoos are wrong. 
Otherwise, it'd be equally as wrong as someone getting a pierced ear or someone shaving their face. So in context, if you look at it, it's about the ritual that was done unto the dead as a spiritual thing that the pagans did. And so the process here was to eliminate those things and to look as different and be as separate from pagans as you could. Nowadays, there's not that concern in the same way, in the same sense. And although our Jewish brothers and sisters focused on that side of it, uh, as a Christian, you can look at it in a different light. So depending on what the context is of the tattoo, meaning there's nothing um, that is, you know, anti-God or something like that, some sort of vulgar statement or things Mm -hmm. like that, then it's just artwork. Now, as far as the process of getting it done, you'd have to be careful as to where you got it done so that you don't, you're not causing harm to your body and that you're being sensible about those things. But as far as having the act of uh, a, a tattoo being performed on you and then you walking around with artwork on your, on your body, um, there's, no, there's no definitive place that says this is wrong. The mm-hmm. Leviticus uh, quote is out of context and misunderstood and in context wouldn't be talking about your type of tattoos as well. So um, there's no problem with them as long as they fit into the categories they said. They don't have anything vulgar or something on them that was uh, uh, somehow mocking God or something like that. Right. Well, that's comforting to hear because I kind of pained over that for a while. And my tattoos, they're beautiful. They're flowers and birds. Oh, they they are a testament to... The, the gifts of God in many ways. There are some uh, amazingly talented tattoo artists out there that do such beautiful work. And I know that really the taboo of tattoos has gone through a transformation throughout the years. And currently, tattoos are not perceived as being part of a, a subculture that that got the tattoos because they were in prison necessarily or they were whatever it was tied to. They were in a gang. Tattoos are an art form straight out now. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a great separation between you know, what tattoos meant 30 years ago even um, versus right. what they mean now and where they are now and how they're done now and the, the amount of cleanliness and focus on um, not getting infections and taking care of them because they're artwork and all those things. So it's changed quite a bit. And if you fall into that category and there's something you're proud of and they're beautiful, then then that should be a reflection to the glory of God as far as art and creativity. And uh, shouldn't shouldn't uh, don't let people take you down that other path because they're misquoting scripture and their pierced ear or their shaved beard would be equally as offensive to God if if that were the case. Right. Well, thank you so much for shedding light on that for me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Go in peace and enjoy your your dermographics there. There's a there's a a large. I mean, there you see them more and more. And partially, the way culture works is it's about familiarity. Imagine culture this way. Uh, you wake up wherever you wake up. This is this is home to you. And really, you're looking for what you can use to clothe you. And you're looking around for something to eat and for shelter. You look for the basics. And every culture is built upon the basics of life, the necessities that you have in that moment and in that place. So the different foods involved in different cultures are because that's what was available to them. 
it's interesting to point out that when other cultures uh, impeded on um, you know a new land or a new people, that some of their culture rubbed off too. That's why you get interesting food combinations because you go to certain parts of the world and you'll get like three or four major different cultures that are all intertwined in the food and some of the clothing or maybe some of the music. You think about uh, Mexican culture, uh, for instance, and you'll hear, you know, tubas in the music and you'll hear accordions and you go, where did that come from? Well, there's a time when, uh, when Germany was in Mexico. And through those uh, types of music and things like that, it, it starts to impenetrate the culture that was there and it makes this new part of the culture, right? And it starts to accumulate these things and that becomes part of the culture. So in life, uh, when things start becoming more acceptable, it's because the, the culture is growing. And uh, when you go through even some subculture things or things that at one point were taboo or looked down upon because they weren't readily available, they were found in little nooks and crannies in life, like the the art of tattooing. Maybe it was uh, – it probably entered the mainstream most comfortably by way of the military because the military is going from port to port or from area to area and they're seeing new cultures and new understandings and they're bringing pieces of that home. They want to commemorate things. They feel deeply about experiences they've gone through and they take those home on on their very skin. They want to remember people. They're never in a home per se. They're constantly moving. So their body becomes their home and they want to take pictures or memories of their of their mother or their family or uh, uh, a wife or children or friends, and they start putting them on their body, and then they start coming home. And slowly these things uh, take on different meaning than a jailhouse tattoo or um, something with a gang or a biker gang or something like this. And then through that com- comes an art form that swells into the culture, into many cultures, and becomes something altogether different than uh, the seedy side of things. And now uh, tattoo parlors pop up all over the street, uh, Main Street America. They're you know in places where you, right next door you're going to you're going shopping, or and it becomes a different entity. And the the quality of the artwork and the quality of the artist and all these things change. Then the culture is now assuming that it's taking that in, and it doesn't mean that. It doesn't have more room to grow, uh, meaning that there can still be a culture uh, attached to that that may be a little seedy or something that you're not comfortable with, and that's fine as well. But this is how culture grows. This is why you eat certain things, or uh, especially in the United States, which the United States, strangely enough, often people have made the comment that the United States doesn't have a particular culture, which is wrong. The United States has not only its own sort of culture, but it's built upon the many different cultures that it assumes on a daily basis as uh, immigrants continue to come to this country. As immigrants come to this country, whatever they bring becomes part of the new culture of the United States. That's probably at the center of the most beautiful part of the United States. 
So likewise, in, in Christianity, in anything, you've got the United States as a constitution, and in Christianity you have the defining uh, authority of Scripture, that oftentimes you look around and you think, well, no, it's not going to change. No, Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture doesn't change. God doesn't change. But doesn't mean the culture of Christianity doesn't change at times. Of course it does. The, when you go to church and how you go to church and how you experience church has changed many, many times. Uh, over the centuries, and will continue to. It's part of its growth. And so things that maybe weren't acceptable before or that were shunned upon socially, and then they would use Scripture to try and reinforce that, sometimes and most oftentimes, you know, with weak arguments, uh, starts to fall by the wayside, and they can see that the Scripture that they used to try and defend something really didn't mean that at all, and allowing the culture of Christianity and the Church as a whole to grow and expand and become even even better. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday, as I am every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I'll get to some more of your calls. Uh, if you have a theology question, 877 877- Holy Host, anywhere in the U.S. of A., or if there's something going on in your life. Of course, same number, 877-HOLY-HOST. Also, check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com. Thejesuschristshow.com has a link there for you to find out more about our Archive Club. If you want to hear more of the show during the week, that's the way to do it. So please check that out there. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show, at Jesus Show. Henry, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Yes, good morning. Hi. Um, Throughout scriptures, uh, God calls us to be holy, Mm -hmm. and I don't really know what that means, uh, especially in today's world. Well, that's a great question. Um, Well, you can, you know, do word studies and all those things to help you have insight, and I'll give you some scripture as well. Uh, The Greek there, uh, hagios, is best stated as as meaning to be separated. So that word is translated as holy. And separation, it's also a word that you hear um, uh, in conjunction with holy throughout Scripture is sanctified. And these things are similar in the sense that you're separating yourself from things. So imagine, um, you know, having a partition of sorts where you separate yourself from sin. And uh, you consecrate yourself to God. So you're focusing on God and you're separating yourself constantly, daily, moment by moment, away from the things of the world. So holiness, to be holy, is to uh, find yourself in a place of constant removal of those things which are not beneficial to your life or not glorifying to God, and then moving in closer towards the things that are glorifying to God. That's the essential. That's what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, throughout Scripture... Um, uh, people are uh, are only perceived to be holy when they're devoted to God. Second Timothy one nine, First Peter three fifteen, Second Peter three eleven. It's when people have devoted and focused their entire lives upon uh, the focus of God, and they've purified themselves continually. It's a, it's not something you can do in in an afternoon. You're not going to pull it off today, Henry. If that's your goal. Um, well, but, I just don't feel like I'm holy enough. That's just well, yeah, and and honestly, you you never will be until you're in heaven. But it, that doesn't 
that doesn't push aside that doesn't push aside the need to seek uh, perfection. You seek perfection not because you'll hit it, but because along that path you'll hit excellence. Mm-hmm. So you continue to to push forward towards that um, as part of the cleansing process. In Scripture, it talks about being a living sacrifice, and that's part of it, that it's a daily, it's, it's a daily thing that goes on every single part, every moment of the day, you're looking for ways to purify yourself. That's all. It's not, you know, you, you don't drink the water um, when it's completely purified, because you're never going to have completely purified water, and then you'll, you'll you know, uh, you'll die of thirst. But you want to continually purify it to make it the best it possibly can be, and it's the same with you. You just find ways daily, Henry, mm-hmm. through prayer and through devotion and through uh, making the best decisions, doing what's right because it's right, not because it's convenient. And you do these things, and that's what works best. And then it's the process of being holy and sanctified slowly over the fire. And if you've ever worked with metals and you've seen or seen that process, they put them under such heat, intense heat, and the dross rises to the top, and you scrape that off, and you dump that, and then you heat it up again, you continue this process. And those trials you go through and all the things that you go through in life are part of that process of scraping off that dross. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am with you. Every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that that really do matter in life and the afterlife. We kind of look at things uh, not from the problem angle, but from the solution angle. We have this time, just this little bit of time every single Sunday to come together and talk about those things. And I know you hear and get bombarded with everything during the week and even on the weekends. And hopefully this is a place of peace and growth for you to hear things just a little bit differently, to help you see things just a little bit differently. I'd love to hear from you if you have a theology question dealing with God, religion, spirituality, worldviews, the Bible, or if you're going through something, we call them life situations, I'd love to hear from you as well. Anywhere. In the U.S. of A, dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com. Blue-gray box, of course, if you're interested in getting more of the show during the week, that's the way to do it, joining our archive club. And in addition to getting the, the shows delivered to you on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, almost seven hours or so of content that you can listen to whenever you want of old archive shows. You also get this show, the one you're hearing right now, every hour will be posted on the hour. So last hour was just posted, and you can find that there for listening today or whenever. It would be strange, I suppose, for you to listen to last hour now because then you'd miss this hour. But you know what I mean. You can do that there. Just uh, take a look at thejesuschristshow.com, and please follow us on Twitter at Show. At Jesus Show. Katie, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Uh, good morning. Hi. How can Hello, I help you? Jesus. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. What's going on? Um, I'm going in tomorrow for a knee manipulation. Mm-hmm. And um, I had uh, in May I had a knee replacement surgery, and everything was going well. And then I had uh, 
a setback because they thought I had a blood clot. So I was off, you know, wasn't able to walk for a day, and then a day and a half, and then after that, it's like the leg kind of locked, and you're supposed to be able to extend it, and I can't extend it. You know, it's just... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I'm going to physical therapy every day, and there's nothing they can do. And so they've already told me this is very painful, more painful than the initial surgery. And I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I, I know I need this because I want to get back to my life, but I'm scared. Well, of course, it's a scary notion, but it's also, on the flip side, exciting to think about having a knee that's, that does what it's supposed to do. And I, I, there's a lot of things in life that come uh, with pain. And the pain often subsides. The whole point is to jump over that place, no pun intended there, but uh, to jump over that, that hurdle so that you can get to a place of peace that, that doesn't happen every single day, that, that nagging, that problem, the pain that you deal with, the, the, the leg that doesn't work. Of course, it's going to be scary, but you're in good hands. That's the hope, right? Right, and and before this, you know, I'm a teacher, and before this, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm at the gym for an hour and a half, you know, before I go to work, and it's like, this has turned my whole life upside down. Sure, and don't you want that back? Yes. And I think this is the way to do it, and you put yourself in, in the trust of uh, good surgeons, and of course, it's going to come with pain, but most things do. Most things that are worth it do have pain. The hope is that you're going to give one pain in the short term uh, so that you won't have pain every single day in the long term, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's taken its toll on you, obviously. So you, you're feeling it not only as in the in the knee, but it's, your whole life is upside down. That would be a wonderful thing to have that righted. Yeah, and I feel like this whole year, you know, I've, I've been a burden on everybody in my life. And they you know, they've, they've helped, but it's like they have their own lives, and, and they have to get back to their lives. Okay, well, let's talk about that. So you say that you're becoming a burden to these people. Why? Because you have to lean on them during the healing process? Well, I, I had to wait three, you know, three months for the surgery, so that was three months of networking mm-hmm. from January, and then in the middle of it, I, I you know, I fractured my back, and I had to have surgery. It's like... This has been a challenging year. You know, just a challenging year. Of course. 
I think it's a place of mentality as well. If you think about the the process and the story of birth, uh, you have the beautiful moments of uh, conception and the love that takes place there. That's really wonderful. Then all of a sudden it becomes a chore. And now the mother has to carry the child for nine months. And uh, that can be a burden and then has to go through labor, which can uh, last uh, ungodly amounts of hours. And then uh, the child comes out and uh, for uh, years and years they are tethered to that child. Sounds pretty horrific, but it's actually quite lovely and beautiful in its own right. And I think if it, the attitude is different and what's, what gets uh, women and parents through that is knowing that they're building something better. And when you're going towards a surgery like this and you're going towards the different things that you're going through and you say, it's, oh, it's been it was three months here and then it was this, and you start counting them all together, the attitude's wrong. The truth is you're, you're pushing towards a goal of being better. And in that state of betterness, being able to help others and yourself in a different way. And it's just the way you have to look at it because there's nothing you can do about it. You're either going to be in pain for the long long haul um, and be a burden in different ways, or you're going to be a burden and in pain for a, a shorter term in hopes of making things better and growing through the process. Thank you. So which do you choose? The latter. The stronger one. Well, then let's... Moving toward the goal. Let's hope and pray for that, okay? Yeah, and I want you to know, listening to your show... You know, I, I haven't been able to sleep because the pain is really bad now. Mm. So as soon as the ice melts on my knee, it's like I have to get up and change it. So I listen to all your other shows. You know, I have to tell you, you don't know how much, you know, it's gotten me through so much. Bless you for what you do. Well, that's very sweet of you to say, and that's why we're here. You know, there's a, there's a, a unification. There's a lot of people that are going through something very similar to you today, I guarantee it, that are listening right now and that are in pain and that they need hope as well. And this world has, has taken on this attitude of separateness and every, you know, everyone for themselves. And it's not how you're designed. And you're there to help one another and you're there to connect with one another and to lift each other up. And you're in a place of pain that is unique to you, certainly, but not unique in the way that others don't experience pain and separation and the feeling of being a burden. All that, all that's normal. That's normal so that you don't get to a place of comfort here. You want to grow and get better. Uh, and that's to help you push through it. But you have to look in the long term at everything, every single thing that is uh, worth it is a process of pain or at least uh, annoyance at the very minimum. And you're going through something now that uh, we're all going to be hopeful is going to be solved and cured on the flip side of this, Katie. And we, we pray that, we believe it in the name of Jesus Christ, and we uh, stand with you in that, knowing that you will come out of this better. And nothing's ever perfect, but you have to see these steps as an important way of growing and healing. And if you have people in your life that can't handle helping you through this, um, that maybe they're not people you want your life to begin with. Just understand the balance and be there for others that need you when they need you as well. 
It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I'm with you every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, coming together on on Sundays and having this time to talk and, and think through questions is important, and they come from you. So if you have a question dealing with theology or with something going on in your life, I'd love to hear from you. 877-HOLY-HOST is the number. Isn't that clever? Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. I also encourage you to check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com, thejesuschristshow.com, that infamous blue-gray box at the top that says click here underneath it. For those of you who'd like more of the Jesus Christ Show during the week, that's the only way to get it. And you can uh, click on there and find out more about our archive club if you are so interested. It's it's a, a neat community, and I know that some folks use it differently. Some just go to listen to the shows. Some go to interact, uh, but they're not always the same. I know it seems like, oh, there's a handful of people that really enjoy interacting, and then um, uh, there are some that don't. So don't feel that you're, you're pressured in any way to interact with others or even make comments about the shows you hear. That's for, for those that enjoy that. If you just want more of the program during the week, uh, then that's how you can get it. And in addition to being able to um, hear this show every Sunday, but you can check that out there at thejesuschristshow.com. Being with one another, connecting with one another, is part of this whole process. It is, it is why you're here and not just by yourself. So why, why did God create man? And that means mankind, not just man. It's not because God was lonely. It's not because God had to. It's because God wanted to. God didn't need a million. God didn't need one. God could make one. God could make a million. So seeing as you're all here together now, God wants you to be here together. There's something to be learned and to interact with one, one another is a very powerful thing. You will at times feel that you're a burden to others, and maybe sometimes you are a burden to others, and sometimes they will be a burden to you. But the mentality of every man for themselves is not a healthy one. You're designed, the system is designed to work together. There is no fame without fans. And this kind of attitude that everyone wants to be famous or everyone wants to be the most important or everyone, it, does, it has zero value. Everyone wants to just be the sole most important part of everything in the world has no value. I quote this a lot in the program that Abe Lincoln said that God loves the everyman and the average person. That's why. He made so many of them. There's a purpose. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To all of you being here. And there's a need for all of you to connect and interact 
and get along. And the sooner you understand that and the sooner you partake in that, the better. And there are going to be times where you have to burden others when you hurt, when you're uh, having surgery, as we talked about. When you're going through these things, you need to lean on one another. And I know it can be a pain on both sides. But you need to embrace it because that is at the core of humanity. The multiplicity of all of you being able to shore each other up, to raise each other up, to help guide and to love and to hold each other up in times of pain and sadness. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday right here. Same time, same place, answering your questions and talking about the things that matter in life and the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation. 877-HOLY-HOST is the number. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com, thejesuschristshow.com. That blue-gray box that talks about our archive club. If you want more of the show, that's the way to get it during the week. Just click on the link there to find out more information. Love to have you be a part of that group. Uh, Also, you can follow us on Twitter during the week and during the show at Jesus Show. At Jesus Show. Mike, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi, thank you for taking the call. I'm wondering if Genesis 1.28, Be Fruitful and Multiply, still applies today under the New Testament, especially in context about people sometimes being so rushed that they don't have time to properly raise and care for their children. Well, there's a, a couple things going on here. First of all, um, yes and no. There are still There's still the balance of uh, you have to perpetuate, and people should, um, if they feel led to, become parents, if they feel moved to be parents. However, you're, the... The request to be fruitful and multiply was to populate the planet. Now, there are those that believe the uh, planet is overpopulated. That's not true. It's a complete and utter myth. Overcrowding is different. Overcrowding deals with the way planners or people put themselves into a place. So let's say people really, really want to be by the ocean, so they all kind of go towards the ocean. Um, people want to go to certain really nice areas or certain particular things, and they they gravitate to those places, whatever they may be. Um, If there is any overpopulation, it absolutely is not in the West. If you get up in a plane, you fly over the United States, there are plenty and plenty of places where there are not human beings. It's a matter of planning and uh, preparing and being smart about it, being kind of spread thin, it's not about population. It's about people managing their lives in a way. People have this desire to want more so much, they're willing to spread themselves thin to do it. And then they don't get to enjoy any of it at all. That's a different, that's a greed. That's a type of greed. That's not about population. That's not even about overcrowding, uh, other than overcrowding your own life. And all that is about management. It's not about the amount of people on the planet. There are cycles that go along with this as well, Mike. So as certain uh, countries or 
regions become more affluent, they start to slow down the process of banking children. It's just a cycle that goes on and on. So some of these places that were poorer at one time, whether it be China or India and and um, uh, specific locations um, that are you know populating and populating and populating, uh, even they will balance out, and as they become more affluent, will slow down the process of making children. But as far as a planet is concerned, it is not overpopulated, not even close to being overpopulated or um, cutting into the natural resources in a way that I know a lot of people run around saying that it is. There is much uh, that could be done still on this planet. doesn't mean you go around willy-nilly having children, but it also doesn't mean that there has to be population control at this point for any reason. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. An interesting one at that. So be fruitful and multiply, as it says in Genesis 1, is is a specific call to perpetuate your line and um, to put people on the planet. That is a good thing. Uh, you're nowhere near it being overpopulated, but it doesn't mean that it's a necessity either. So the call is not for everyone. You can be a good Christian family and not have children if you do not feel that you're called to children. It's not that kind of uh, command. Uh, so you are fine regardless if uh, if you uh, have children or don't have children as a believer. Christina, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi, how are you? I am well, Christina. How are you? I'm doing good. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach yoga, and... I'm also a Christian, and I attend church, and my pastor's wife is concerned that by me teaching yoga, somehow I'm teaching people about Hinduism and Buddhism. And I was wondering what you thought about that. Well, there's, there is a lot of yoga that tied both uh, spiritual and religious beliefs with the physical, However, in the United States, that's not always what's practiced. Uh, in the 1980s, it became very popular to, uh, you know, yoga came to the Western world and it was modified, just like everything else. You, right. you can have Chinese food and go to China and, and say, wow, the Chinese food in the United States tastes nothing like the Chinese food in China because it gets westernized. And the westernized version of yoga is just the physical elements of it. It doesn't mean that the the breathing doesn't have spiritual tie-ins or there's sometimes meditation, but even scripture, Christian scripture talks about meditation. So it would depend on what you are meditating about. So Mm -hmm. if you are practicing or teaching a specific religious yoga that Mm -hmm. ties into that religion, then yes, there's a problem. But if you're teaching the physical exercise that the Westerners refer to as yoga, that is just about stretching and elongating the spine and learning certain certain poses uh, to stretch and um, uh, kind of broaden your body and strengthen your body. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. And then one more question. So the meditation part of it is something that I also teach. However, I don't specify uh, any religion. I just teach about the mental and physical benefits that you can acquire through meditation. Um, I leave that up to the student. That's their perspective, what they bring into their personal practice. Sure. I think that's very fair. It's like uh, if you were, 
you know, uh, a, a physician, and you said if you'd like to take a few minutes to pray before we go into the operating room, you know, please be my guest. It's not right. so they wouldn't be saying pray to this particular God. Meditation is not an evil thing. Now, certain guided meditation and certain mm-hmm. types of meditation can be a problem because they come from different relig- religions and their the practice or purpose is different than the meditation that is talked about in Scripture. So the Judeo-Christian uh, concept of meditation deals with focusing on God's word and thinking mm-hmm. about God's word, those types of things. But in a classroom setting, if you're saying here's a time to think about certain things or to, you know, relax your breathing or to focus in on what you're doing on your body as you're in this particular position, I'm sure you mm-hmm. often, uh, you know, uh, will comment on what I want you to do is I want you to, you know, open up your ribs, ribs as you're um, leaning to one side or the other, or you're talking through things, nothing wrong with any of that. If you're taking the religious beliefs of Hinduism or something like that, Buddhism, and you're attaching them to this exercise practice, then it becomes religious. If you're using it as physical exercise and there is meditation that you're not determining what that meditation is, it's just a time of silence and quiet thought or things like that, then there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Okay. I just wanted to know what your take was because I was very conflicted about it. I was actually kind of hurt about it because she's been talking to some other people that go to our church um, with her concern. Oh, boy. That's well, I will tell you that um, God has much less problem with uh, westernized yoga uh, than God has problems with gossip. So I'm always annoyed and the, the the hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't want to put anything on the pastor's wife, but it sounded nudgy to me and it sounded like uh, a busybody. Um, being in your business um, and that she might have her own issues. However, I will say this, that um, you are a Christian and you have your own sensibilities and prayer and time with God. And if it's sitting fine with your spirit and you don't feel like you are contorting to make it, you know, well, I just love yoga so much, I'm just trying to justify it. To make it fit, if if you're okay with it, and you're feeling that, then it's fine. It falls into the category, Christina, of like martial arts. The martial arts was very much wrapped into spirituality and different faiths and focuses, but that has changed over the years. And now the westernized version of it is just for self-defense and discipline. So mm-hmm. it, I don't, you know, maybe your pastor's wife would have a problem with martial arts as well but they really kind of fit into the same category and i think if if she's going to look for demons under every stone she's going to find quite a lot of them because you can trace things back like wedding rings back to pagan practices uh christmas trees back to pagan practices and all Mm -hmm. kinds of things like that and really once you get on that um slippery slope it becomes a huge problem where it's like well you know hitler liked to dance and paint um, and liked good food. So anybody that 
likes good food or to dance and paint is tied into the Nazis is a horrible thing uh, to right. tie together. So in this particular case, you have to be very honest with yourself about what you're teaching, why you're teaching it, and how you're teaching it. But mm-hmm. if it's just for those physical attributes, and there are many in yoga, there are many things right. to be learned, um, and those types of things, then um, uh, it's perfectly fine. And you need to to speak to the pastor and his wife. I would recommend mm-hmm. speaking to them and saying, hey, you're, you're saying these things. I don't appreciate it. I don't think you understand what I'm doing. And it's uh, it's not fair for you to to uh, continue to tell people that I'm doing something that I'm not because I'm not teaching that. I'm not teaching Hinduism. I'm not teaching Buddhism or any of those things. Right. Well, then it's kind of interesting because we did have a discussion about this initially when I first started teaching about four or five months ago. Um, And actually, we got into an argument, not the pastor, but his wife and I and another lady from church, and they were actually attacking me, saying that, because I'm a Christian, I had to conduct my business as a Christian business, and I had to let people know that when they came in to do yoga, that they were doing Christian yoga. And um, I said, I'm not going to discriminate that way on who can come to my business and can't, whether they believe, you know, practice a certain religion. This is not about religion. I'm doing this to help people physically, you know, feel better. Wow. um, Um, I wonder if they'd open a little Christian dog grooming shop. I'm going to yeah. groom, I'm going to groom your dog with the love of Jesus. Now, I would say that if if there was some conf- confusion as to uh what it was or you I wouldn't put any symbols up or you know the right. symbols Absolutely. for om or anything like that mm-hmm. in there that would signify one way or the other, but mm-hmm. but yoga in in western belief is not always associated with the religious aspect of it. So in that sense, there, you don't have to put some shingle outside that says this is a Christian place. I'm, I'm, I get annoyed by that because I think that Christians miss the mark on being normal parts of society that can that can bring their faith to society, and they're always wanting to put this this label on on top of everything, everything. and it yeah. becomes annoying, which is why. People run, not walk to the nearest exit when they see anybody with a fish on their car or a cross around their neck because they think, oh, here comes a a wingnut who's going to want to corner me and tell me why I'm so horrible and what I'm doing is wrong. Can I ask you a strange question? The pastor's wife, does she look like she's fit? Um, Not much, no. (laughs) Do you look like you're fit? I think so. I'm not, you know, in fantastic shape, but I'm pretty all right. (laughs) I think that there's probably some underlying things there, and I think that you do your best to prayerfully approach this and maybe see if you can uh, be a guiding light and a teacher in that circumstance as well. I think it's a horrible situation. Um, If you had all kinds of religious symbols in there and all these things going on and were teaching, I would have a problem. I really, really would. But if you're doing westernized physical movement and exercise that is referred to as yoga because of the positions that uh, that are in there. I think it's two very different things. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I'm with you every single Sunday right here answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I'd love to hear from you if you have a theology question or life situation question. Anywhere in the U.S. of A, dial 
877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com. All kinds of things you can find there, especially if you're new to the program. Please check that out. Our Archives Club, find out more about that. Everything right there at the Jesus Christ Show. Dot com website. Follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show. Uh, the, we talked about judgment. We talked about um, judging within the church is important. So when you hear a call about yoga or something like that, that's an appropriate thing that the church should be judging, looking in on itself and saying, hey, are you doing this right? What is inappropriate is if you check it out, and it's just the physical exercise that's being taught. Martial arts fall into the same category, these types of things. Um, then you, you stand down. You don't worry about it. I could see how you'd have a concern as church leadership. If there's something like that, you want to make sure. But Christians get a bad rap for a good reason lots of times. Because it's overextending the faith, to everything. Your faith should lead you, but it's not just marketability. It's not just churchianity and slapping it on everything and making sure that every single person knows. It's not about the label. It's about the lifestyle. It's about living in a way that other people notice. And when you go to someone, it says in Scripture, to go to your brethren and say, hey, I have an issue with you or I have an issue with this, and if they don't listen... Then you bring it. Uh, to, you bring someone else, and you continue to be, bring them up. And then, if they don't listen, then you bring them before the church. But if there is no real conflict, then it just becomes one person's point of view versus the next, not a church issue, because that becomes something different. That's like arguing whether uh, vegetarianism or being a vegetarian is Christian or non-Christian. It doesn't matter. It's a personal preference. If you're a vegetarian for religious reasons, that becomes something different maybe. So I realize that there might be the origins of certain things might uh, come from a different belief system, but it doesn't mean that the westernized, westernized version of that is the same. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am with you every single Sunday. Same time, same place, right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and, of course, the afterlife. I encourage you, as always, to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation anywhere in the U.S. Bay. Dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show. Jesus Show. Carol, welcome to the Jesus yes. Christ Show. Thank you. Um, my question is, I'll pose the question and then tell you, how it was answered for me. I feel like I do have my answer, but I so want to know what you have to say. Okay. Um, when my husband was ill, um, you people have the tendency to want everyone to pray for you when you're in trouble. 
You call the church prayer line, you have prayer groups, you call your friends, pray, pray, pray. And I was disturbed by that, and I thought, why would a multitude of voices be greater to move the hand of God than one voice? I wanted it to be my voice praying for my husband. Mm -hmm. If I were an old woman in a cave, why would a million people have a greater tendency to get their prayer answered than one? So that was my problem, and, and when my husband was sick, I didn't call tons of people and had them pray. I just, he was ultimately healed, but my answer finally came to me, and the Lord revealed to me that it was so everyone can benefit, and which to me meant not only is the person you're praying for likely to benefit, but the person in prayer is also having that connection with the Lord and and um, can improve their own prayer life. But I would just want to know what your feeling is on having many people having to pray or one. Well, first of all, uh, the answer is absolutely correct. It is for the benefit of all. Uh, there's more to it than that. There's many layers to it, and I think people get lost in it. It's the equivalent of having, uh, let's say, one really rich uh, woman or rich man with deep pockets uh, give everything that's needed to a charity rather than many people in a community coming together and giving a little to build up that char- that charity. Everybody's now a part of it, uh, for one. For two, that there, that prayer is two ways. It goes uh, back and forth like a regular conversation, and there's different things to be learned by different people. I'm often asked about the importance of prayer and what it means because you're not really changing or moving the hand of God. Wow. You're not. It, it, you hear people say there's power in prayer, and there's not. There's power in who you pray to. Uh, the prayer really is uh, for different reasons. So think of it this way. If you go to the grocery store with a child— the child hangs off the side of the cart or is sitting in the back of the cart, and the whole time they're pointing at the things that they want, right? They're saying, I want yeah. that, or they're trying to put it into the basket. Yes. Well, it is the job of the adult, of the parent, to use that opportunity to show the child what they should be asking for. Honey, you should be asking for things that are better for you. You should be asking for things that are healthier for you. Yes, sometimes you can get a treat, so we'll get this. So that goes to show you now that on occasion you can have certain things, but you can't have them all the time. Otherwise, uh, it'll rot your teeth or you'll uh, uh, become obese, whatever it is. You're, it's an opportunity for the adult, for the parent to train the child when the kid asks, rather than just the, the parent telling the kid all the time. So prayer, likewise is an opportunity for you to make a request of God and God to say yes or no to you to help you understand a greater good. The assumption is, uh, and this is the way the world works, every human is going to want the humans close to them, and even those they don't know, to live a long life and not have sorrow and uh, to not die and all of these things. Every human's going to want that. And on some level, God wants that too, understanding what it means to other humans. However, God's plan is bigger than just the human need. There's a greater need that's spiritual, that's outside of that human vessel, that's outside of the clay pots that you're built into, that means more to God. So So you addressed something really powerful just now. You said we are not 
changing the mind of God. Of course not. I, I love that. I, that has also troubled me. I thought, why would I want to change God's mind? No, the, the purpose of this process is for you to learn God's will, not for God to learn your will. God already knows your will. God knows what you want. So in the prayer process, when you ask, it's the answer that allows you to understand, to fine-tune you to God, not God to you. And people get that, uh, and, and, you know, rightly so, and you hit it on the head when you said, um, you know, why have everybody pray? Because the assumption is, hey, if we get loud enough, maybe God's going to hear and, exactly. and do it differently. That's not what's going on. It's at every individual now is praying so that when it comes to fruition, then all of those voices are a chorus towards the glory of God that it took place. If it doesn't, then each one of those people learn a different lesson about the will of God and the purpose, not only for that particular case, but also for things in their life that God wants to show them. So it's much different than the, the assumption that it's, it's this holy headlock that everybody's going to get God into, and he's going to go, okay, 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 okay. Stop Stop calling. I'll, I'll make yeah. it happen. That's not what's going on. So what do you, how do you suggest that someone pray? Lord, reveal your will to me, rather than, Lord, I want this to happen? Well, no, there's a process. If you go through the Lord's Prayer and uh, you read in Matthew, and you, you've heard it many, many times, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As you go through and you break these down, uh, at the beginning it says, pray this way. That if you break that down, it really is a, a, a wonderful template. It's a, a beautiful prayer unto to itself, if I may say, say so myself. But it, in context, it also shows that there's a balance to prayer to praise God, to realize that God is the master of the universe and that you're not going to change uh, his mind. Secondly, to ask for the things that you need, not just the things that you want, uh, your, you know, your daily bread, yeah. to petition on behalf of other people, to learn to forgive, to break the bonds of unforgiveness. These are the things that God wants you to go down and ask. And in that process, um, you are going to learn more about those things in yourself and the will of God. So it's not just all, – all of those do really ask that same thing. All of those do say, Lord, show me your will. Um, and it ends with that as well, but not my will, but thy will be done. So it, it sounds like you're saying that if whether I pray or not, the end result is inevitable because it's God's will. Indeed. Right? But it doesn't mean that you don't play a part in it. Um, that's why uh, dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah and the things like that, you'll see that there are those that have asked God, well, if I can show you that there's this many good people in there, are you not going to destroy it? That whole exchange there is not for God. It's, God knows what's going to go on. It's for man to see what's being asked. So the, the, the process is a teaching process for you to understand what's going on, not for God. And wow. yeah, and so you want to ask for those things, and you want to ultimately say, not your will, but, but God's will be done. That's the most important about all of those things. But in the process of being specific and asking for things, because if you just... There's an old uh, story of, the you know, pastors and often uh, priests and the like will be standing at, at the entrance or exit of the church and will sometimes shake hands or um, thank people for coming or those types of things. Well, there's a story 
of someone walking up to the pastor at the end of the service and says, Pastor, will you please pray for me? And he says, absolutely. What would you like me to pray for? And they said, nothing specific. And he said, well, that's what you'll get, nothing specific. So there's, there's something about specificity when you're requesting these things that allows God uh, to answer specifically in a way that you might understand better than if you just said, hey, show me your will. And, and it's not that that doesn't have a place. There are times where sometimes it's better to say, you know what, God, this is the direction I'm going. I really want this job, and this is why I want this job. If there's something I'm missing or there's a greater good to be understood or you're putting me in a, a different direction or want something else from me, I wish to see that as well. Um, but ultimately, prayer is a two-way street, and it's for God to teach you his will, not you to teach God your will. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday right here, same time, same place, answering your questions and talking about things that truly matter in life and, of course, the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question, dealing with God, religion, spirituality, worldviews, the Bible, or if you're going through something in life, uh, we call them life situations. I'd love to hear from you as well. Anywhere in the U.S. of A, dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show. At Jesus Show. Uh, prayer is talked about throughout Scripture. And interestingly enough, there's it really is part it's part of a lifestyle. It should be a daily part of the Christian life. In scripture it talks about praying without ceasing. The word used there is if you can imagine like a almost like an incessant cough. When it says pray without ceasing, it doesn't mean like a a mantra or something like that that you're just praying over and over again because scripture says that's not what God wants. It's about being in constant contact with God. That in your heart and in your head and off. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In your mouth when you're talking verbally to God, that you should be in a state where you feel connected to God in this conversation, in this relationship. And through that, getting to know one another in a way that's personal. And I know that seems strange, and, that, and so often the church wants to separate you or make you feel like there's, uh, like it's the great and powerful Oz, and, and you have to go through all these hoops to get to God, and that's not the case. The purpose on the cross, of the cross itself, and my death on the cross, was to fulfill many things and also to uh, pay for your sins and to give you that the through way of communication with God. 
to have that opportunity to build that relationship. And so I encourage you to be in that state of prayerfulness. And yes, there are going to be times where you you do the formalities or you get on your knees and you, you clasp your hands or you focus on the things of God or where, however you do it or your prayer closet, as some people call it. But really, beyond that, you should always be in that state. You should always be in a place where in your head you're thinking about the things of God, meditating on the things of God, focusing on the things of God to learn, to understand, to move forward in that that path that is carved out solely by the will of God. And that happens by being in touch and in tune, just like any other relationship. The more you're in communication, the more you're talking, the more you're connecting, the more you know each other. The more you are in tune with the overall wants, needs, and understandings of the other person. It's no different with God. It is the Jesus Christ Show. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Always so much better when you join us. We're with you every single Sunday right here, answering your questions, talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I encourage you to go to the phone with your theology question or life situation anywhere in the U.S. of A. Dial 877-HOLY-HOST or numerically 877-465-9467. Also check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show. David, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi. Hi, how can I help you? I have a general question related to a very specific life issue that I'm going through. Okay. Um, so I am living in Oregon now, and I'm considering moving to um, Southern California, which has huge implications for um, my wife and my four children. Um, you know, some would perceive it in positive ways, and some would perceive it in some negative ways, as any life decision may have some pros and cons. You seem to be doing it in reverse. There's a lot of people in Southern California moving to Oregon. Yeah, yeah, days. yeah. Well, um, so there's a lot of reasons to go down there. A lot We have family in California. Mm-hmm. Um there's uh, my wife really we've been in we've, we're from california we've been in oregon for quite some time but the the long winters and the gr- constant gray really do affect my wife's my wife's um you know mood and things like that and um you know so my i guess my question is you know when you're seeking god's will and making a, a major life decision how, how do you how do you seek wisdom and, and discernment and and determining what would be a, his um, desired path for you and a choice in life. And, and maybe it's not even, you know, I've, you know, studied lots of different views on the sovereignty of God, and um, I'm not even sure if I have that, you know, right. You know, does he have a specific path that he wants me to take, or is it, you know, he's going to let me choose the path, you know, that uh, he's that he's going to lead me to, and, um, and that path he's going to make, it will be part of his plan. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a really good way of putting it, uh, and I can tell that you've obviously looked at it, uh, looked into it uh, from a lot of different angles. Uh, let me give you uh, just a, a little perspective. 
Uh, let's go with some some big, bold, uh, white and black areas. Nothing gray here, okay. like the yep. Ten Commandments. Okay, so uh, thou shalt not murder. Uh, if yeah, that's pretty basic, you get that. Yeah, you shouldn't murder, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so today, um, maybe there was some wind. You're going to go out and rake the leaves in the yard. Yeah. Um, will you be murdering while you're raking the leaves? Nope. Okay, so you can rake the leaves. Uh, let's say you're going to go mow the lawn. Are you going to be murdering while you're mowing the lawn? Nope. Okay, so mowing the lawn's good. Uh, anything, there is so much in that category of not murdering. Yeah. That it's not so much that God's saying, I really want you to mow the lawn, or I want you to rake the leaves, or I want you to do this or do that. It's it's much broader. So likewise, when it comes to a a, a decision of a job change, that really the the goal and the commandment is to provide for your family in the best way you can, financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, to the best of your ability. And that has a lot of different definitions in it. And so it becomes more of a choice than it is some great decision, right? Because now it's, well, do you want chocolate or do you want vanilla? Yeah. And how does that affect you? Now, if you have some sort of weird reaction to chocolate, well, then you shouldn't be having it ever. Or if you have a reaction to dairy, you shouldn't be having either or whatever. But if it's, if it's just checks and balances, God wants you to have a job. God wants your family to be happy. Uh, all those things are already answered, that it really comes down to a choice, and that becomes a list. Uh, how will it affect the children moving them from school to school? How would it affect your wife? It seems like it might be positive. Is there a financial gain, or some, or is it just going to be uh, you know, net neutral? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, all those things are weighed, and when they're weighed, it's just a choice. What, yeah. what yep. do you want to do? It won't offend God one way or the other. That's that's kind of along the lines I was thinking, but there's just on this one there there are so many choices. I mean, we've got a we've got a list of you know I'm an engineer, so I don't, I'm, we've, we're very much you know have this huge decision matrix. You know, <laughs> um, it, you know there are literally you know you know 50 to 100 items on that list of you know well this way it'd be better, this way it wouldn't be so great. You know, and um, you know it's it's kind of one of those things where I'm of, of kind of overwhelmed with the 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 possible outcomes um who's pushing back who's pushing back where do you feel friction on on this move um and it isn't necessarily a person per se but but where where's the friction coming from on this particular move um on the on so basically what would be the downsides of it yeah in my opinion so the downside so cost of living is a big one so you know it's you know purchasing a home down there you know, it's easily double what I'm, what I'm currently, you know, my current home is worth. Sure, taxes are different. Everything. Yeah, taxes is, are huh? different. You know, you've got sale taxes. I mean, a, Southern California is an expensive place to live. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then on the other, the on the other side, with that one, I'm not so concerned about. You know, I can, I can learn, I can be frugal. Um, you know, it's, we, I can get by down there. I believe. Um, I can still support my family and feed them and provide a shelter, shelter for them. Um, but on the other side, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about the, the schooling options down there for my children. Um, you know, I, it's, right now they're plugged into some pretty good situations. They've got good, um, 
good friends that I, I think will not steer them away from the, the spiritual path that I'm trying to lead them on. Um, you know, so I'm a little bit concerned about, uh, you know, the, the, the influence of, mm-hmm. of where they, where we may be going, you know, um, whatever school they end up, you know, it's, are they going to be teaching them things that I really prefer that they not be taught in conflict with what I teach them? Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of things like that. Um, you know, I think, you know, if it weren't, if I was just a married couple, just me and my wife, I'd, I'd move down there in a heartbeat. Um, you know, knowing that that's going to be, um, I, I think that that's going to be a better place for my wife to be. And, um, you know, it's, it's, we've got a good community here. They've got, you know, like I said, my kids have, you know, friends that I think are, are supportive of their, their spiritual, um, state. And, you know, I, I just concerned about, you know, um, the biggest one would probably be concerned about, um, what influences my children will have to them counter to the influences that I want them to have. Okay, well, there's I, there's always, as, as an engineer, you know that there's not always just one way. For sure. Sometimes there's other ways to do it, and uh, so that you think about the totality of, of the question. Um, maybe if, if your wife is the one who's um, suffering or dealing um, with the area, uh, maybe there's a third choice or a possibility of, since costs are going to change if you moved anyways, yeah. of getting a small place in California um, and scheduling time uh, once a quarter or whatever uh, to get out of town or to spend time in California to remove yourself and your wife to get some sun and to have a, a change of, of pace mm-hmm. um, and s- stay where you are. I mean, there's there's other options as well. If it's you've got to look at just like any other engineering problem, you don't have to necessarily redesign everything. You're just looking to to solve a particular uh, issue. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. You, you know, to get those things with your children uh, might be more difficult. That's more of a private school situation once you come to California, unless you live in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, oftentimes more expensive areas uh, that have uh, different schools and things like that, but but honestly, there's just no wrong answer. Yeah, yeah. There really, it doesn't sound like there's there's always going to be a deficit of some kind because it's change, and with yep. change, there's going to come change. So yeah. someone's going to experience something where they go, "Wow, they, this isn't what I like," or "I really missed this." Um, thankfully, as much of a you know. Uh, pain in the rear it might be yep. you could reverse the decision at any time uh-huh. and it's just money and time just like it would be to move exactly at any time so yeah. Yeah. um y- y- it's a really a, of just weighing it sounds like the your wife's happiness is a big part of this and that can't be overlooked because uh she's uh, uh head of the household with you and she's um, you know, um, dealing with these kids and and um, what she brings to the family as well. And that can be, you know, that can bleed into every other part of the home yeah. as well. Yep. So that's, it's not just, well, I don't, you know, it's not like I don't like these drapes. That's, hey, this weather is having a physiological um, and emotional strain on me. 
Yeah. And that yep. that's a very real thing and, and can't be put in the category of, oh, I just don't like it here. That's a, a very real reaction to the environment and yeah. one that's been documented over and over uh, yep. with certain types. Yeah. So um, if that's the case, you, you got to look at that and weigh that. But I really don't see any wrong answer as long as you're still providing for everyone and yeah. uh, you can – you know, make up the other things, you know, maybe through a tutor or maybe through whatever it is. You can find ways to make up any of the other deficits. Um, but other than, you know, getting a small place where your wife can, you know, uh, run to uh, throughout the year in California or getting that kind of experience, you really can't do the same in uh, staying where you are. Yeah. So yeah. I can see why it seems to be pushing you towards Southern California. Yeah, yep, yep. And you say there is a job, though, waiting for you? Yeah, I have an offer that I have to give them a decision on this this week on whether or not I'm going to accept it or not down and, there. And is it substantial enough to carry some of the changes in, uh, you know, taxes and everything else? Um, right now they are, they have, they have given, it's definitely an increase in salary from what I have here in Oregon, but it, it, it doesn't completely, it doesn't offset the cost of living. Gotcha. Um, it's, uh, it, it's close. It's, you know, we definitely have to be more frugal. They paying for you to make the move? They'll, yeah, well, they'll pay, they'll pay me a, a set amount. I haven't yet determined what it's going to completely cost me to move. I think it'll cover the move. Um, it's, a uh, um, but yeah, they're giving me a lump sum for the move. Well, it sounds like you've thought about all the you know all the variables that play a part. Yeah. Um, but I think I hear the most the two things weighing. I mean, the job seems like something you you know hey you're fine with, and the money seems relatively about the same. The two things that seem to stick out are the schooling or the uprooting your children and the happiness of your wife. Yeah, that's probably the, the two of the biggest things. Yeah. So um, it, your wife's situation is taken care of the minute you move. The kid's yeah. situation might be a little trickier, but it does, it's, but it's not impossible either nope, uh, to, nope. to find a proper school for them. And yeah. what are their ages? Um, I have four, the 6, 8, 12, and 14. So 12 and 14 are the ones that are probably going to be affected the most yeah yeah i'm i'm the, the younger two you know they'll they'll go with the flow i'm sure it's that you know they won't you know it'll be to them it'll be an adventure <laughs> well there's nothing wrong with sitting the family down and saying here's the situation here's the pros and cons and say you know uh mom and dad are going to make the final decision but we'd love any input uh, to help yeah. us with that and yep. get get their insights but to me everything you said seems uh, very much Net neutral. There's nothing. There's nothing in it that would cause any uh, major damage. Uh, it, it's just a, a a decision that's made based on a want, yeah. choice, and uh, that's not a bad place to be. Uh, I pray uh, strength and focus to you and your family to make the best decision. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday, as I'm with you every single Sunday. Richard, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Oh, how are you doing? May Jesus be with you. Uh, I wanted to ask a question uh, mm-hmm. for those uh, with a near-death experience. As God uh, and showed them uh, the miraculous, uh, say, heaven, mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible, does it uh, explain uh, those experiences, what the, the next step of, of what their lives would betray? 
Well, the Bible doesn't really talk about near-death experiences. Uh, when, it, when the Bible refers to death, it refers to it as happening once. And so there is a lot of conflict in in the church as to what is what that would be. What is a near-death experience? Either you're dead or you're not. And if you're dead, you're not coming back. And uh, so Scripture doesn't have a lot of leeway with that. I know that there are experiences people have but what constitutes a near-death experience? What's taking place? Is there uh, a loss of consciousness during that time? Or is there something physiological that's going on that makes one believe or experience things that they believe to be heaven or something like that? So if anything is experienced in that time that would contradict what is said in Scripture, then it should be thrown out. If... Uh, someone comes back with some special insight. I know there's been books written about it, movies made, all kinds of people from children to adults who have had experiences that say that they've been to heaven or experienced heaven. Some have even said that they've been to hell. There's nothing in Scripture that allows uh, for that concept, really. It says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It says it is appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. And these don't give a whole lot of uh, opportunity for going back and forth. There's also also other experiences in Scripture where there have been those that have tried to bring people back from the dead, and uh, it was shunned upon, and they were punished by God. So, you have a world that wants the best of everything. They want to live here and they want to be in, in heaven. As the old saying goes, everyone wants to go to heaven. No one wants to be dead. But there's this uh, human desire to want to be in both places and have the best of both worlds. And sometimes that may get caught up in the psyche. And when there's something physiological going on, um, like losing blood or um, not having a heartbeat or things like this, in that time process, the mind may fantasize. Science is still poking around to figure out what exactly goes on and what someone is experiencing or not experiencing, maybe. And again, you can't take away someone's experience because they were the one that experienced it. So even if you were standing right next to them, you might be experiencing something else. It's really hard to take that away. So that's not my goal. My goal is to say from a, a, a Christian scriptural standpoint, there's not a whole lot of leeway, even though people keep trying to write books on it and have these experiences where they say, hey, I've been there, I've seen it, or I've experienced it in a way, or I met uh, Jesus in this time of death, and all of those things. Well, it's possible. I do speak to people when they pass, but there's more to it than that, and above all things, it can't contradict what it says in Scripture. Until next week, remember these words, I am with you, always. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.